0: Well, Well, here we are early because I hit the space bar and all of a sudden the countdown stopped. Uh, (laughs) This is what happens when it's your very first show. Welcome, folks. My name is John Hansman.
1: My name is Emilio Mejia.
0: We are the Business Invites podcast, uh, launched officially today, December 11th, 2023. I'm out here currently in Olympia, Washington.
1: And I'm down here in Miami, Florida, but I service all of South Florida. And we're hoping to bring you the Business Invites podcast every Monday around 9, 9.30 a.m. Pacific and 12, 12.30
0: Eastern. So, I guess the first question is, how's the weather?
1: <laughs> Actually, today's pretty good. Um, it was like 65 degrees when we woke up, which we don't really get that here. Which oh. is, this is to, the, to us, this is like sweater and jacket weather. Okay. So we got to reach out to, like, the back of the closet, the stuff you haven't used in forever, Six- and throw Six- some five. of that stuff on.
0: <laughs> if it's 65 here, I'm walking around in a t-shirt and shorts.
1: I'm sure. No, no, 65 okay. here, we... Uh, yeah, you know, I got to cover up a little bit.
0: <laughs> we had the uh, worst rain that I can I can remember. So I was I actually flew over to Eastern Washington last week, and no joke, we had four inches of rain in like 24 hours. And uh, I have video somewhere on Facebook that my wife took, and it's literally like our road turned into a river. I mean, absolutely crazy i, I was I, it's nothing i've ever seen before uh i i had pine needles on my rv and they all got washed off now they're in my gutters so that'll be a fun
1: project later you guys have a high car you guys have a low car
0: uh no it's a big fifth wheel yeah, okay, okay. Fifth wheel, yeah. so what I, we you and i talked about this and obviously we, we we're uh excited about kind of what we want to bring to the community there's a lot of different podcasts out there. And I think that one of my dreams, one of the things that I've been thinking about for quite a while has been uh, bringing a podcast where we interview different business owners about different topics. And I don't know about you, but I run into people all the time who have this unique gift on how they run their business. And I always think, man, it would be really cool to sit down and interview with them. And just get an idea of how they came to the place that they did. So I have a really good insurance agent friend whose name is on his, you know, he's a state farm guy. And he's, he's actually agreed to, to do the podcast with us. But he has a really cool culture where people don't call for him. And that's a that's a that's what that says. That doesn't say that he's a jerk or anything. What it says is that the people in that are his customers, they trust his employees enough to take care of them that they just call uh, to get taken care of and so there's there's things like that that I, I'm excited to over the next uh, this next year uh, just bring some really exciting guests to the show that I, I think will add some value to the uh, the people that are out there watching this podcast and I, I think the other thing I don't know is uh, both of us are in cybersecurity. So we would be amiss if we didn't uh, talk about about what we're seeing in the industry and what's going on uh, so that we have equal value for both. How do you grow your business? But then also how do you keep your business secure?
1: I agree 100%. And not only that, just to get insight on how to do things better, but just people like us. Like when I started, my background was operations and engineering. I knew nothing about running a business. There's a lot of people out there like you and me uh, that want to start their venture and they don't know where to start from they don't know who to talk to for accounting or for finance or for marketing or how to create a proper business plan how to get funding if they need funding yeah. you know so i'm hoping that we can bring on some professionals and then share some of our stories through our journey so that we can help others you know be able to grow their business and i guess live their dream yeah sure. my dreams i don't know about you but yeah, definitely one of mine
0: Definitely one of mine as well. So I think what we're we're going to do is uh, today is really just about uh, allowing our future uh, and current uh, audience just to get to know who we are and, and understand our story. And then uh, next week, uh, hopefully, we'll get our first guest lined up and we'll start rolling. And then you can expect to see us here every, every Monday morning. Uh, well, Monday morning Pacific. 12 eastern so yeah. uh it, it, you know and we're covering the whole united states one uh one uh podcast at a time we will we'll be talking to everywhere but uh so if you're a morning person over here on the pacific coast 9 30 or 9 uh and then uh 12 uh, to 12 30 uh on the east coast so uh pretty excited so let's just go ahead and i since i'm the one talking right now i'm just gonna ask you questions Emilio. does that sound like a good plan Let's go. Yeah, so I want to know, and I think our audience would love to know, how did you just tell us your story about how you got started uh, in your business?
1: I'm going to take it back a little bit farther, how I got started in IT, and then I'll I'll tie in the business. So I've been wanting to do IT since I was probably in middle school or probably elementary school, to be honest. Just anything with computers and technology really fascinated me. So once I was um, about to leave middle school, uh, there was a new school by me called Miami Lakes Technical Educational Center. It's pretty really long. We call it MLEC for short, or just Miami Lakes Tech. Um, so I applied, and, and I got accepted, and they had a a Cisco networking program. So I was able to uh, go there for high school and do my CCNA, uh, all four courses. And it just it gave me a different mindset than going to a regular high school, because I was just focused on what I already wanted to do. So based on the curriculum there, I was able to get some scholarships. Uh, so I went on to DeVry University for network communications and management. Because of some of the credits and some of the scholarships that transferred over, I was able to get my bachelor's within like the first three years. So I think I got mine in three years. Um, I started my first IT internship while I was at DeVry as well. I interned for a large law firm down here in South Florida called Becker and Polyakov. I'm actually trying to do some business with them right now. Um, so I interned with them for about three years. As soon as I graduated, I got a job at an MSP. It was the MSP that used to work with that law firm. So, you know, we had a we had a, a brief connection there. So I worked at a MSP down here in South Florida. They were called CompuQuip, uh, yeah, Compuquip Technologies. They're pretty big. Um when I started, the team was maybe 10, 15. Uh, I think when they sold the services department to Conica Minolta, which is all covered, Mm -hmm. uh, national MSP, the the support team and the professional services team was about 40 or 50. Wow. Uh, So I started with them, Uh, I left, I tried the IT security at that point, um, but it was like overnight and, you know, it wasn't a great experience, let's say. So about four months into that, um, I got headhunted into a IT manager position at a large nonprofit, um, and it says IT manager, but I was basically a one-man shop for about 250 users, about 20 locations, um, you know, uh, based out of Miami, Florida, but they're nationwide. So I did that for a couple years, and then uh, an old colleague of mine had an MSP already. So he was approached by one of his clients and they said, well, we want to do business with you, but, you know, we're tired of one man shops because if they're not available, then, you know, we feel like we get the short end of the stick. Mm. So, you know, he told them, well, give me a month or so and I won't be a one man shop. So he called me and he's like, look, I need more than help. I need a partner, you know, to take responsibility, to make this their own, to help me grow it. So I agreed. And, you know, we started an MSP there. Wow. Uh, That was going good for the last seven or 10 years or so, uh, you know, but then we kind of started growing apart. Um, you know, he wanted to go down a certain path. I wanted to go down the cybersecurity. So, you know, we agreed on how we can split. And then as of January of this year, I've been the sole owner of AM3 technology and cybersecurity, uh, took over some of my clients, uh, I brought some of my team with me, and now we're trying to grow.
0: Nice. I love it. Yeah. I love it. That's exciting. It's funny how <laughs> the parallels. I I also got started when I was young, so I always tell people I was the guy who was programming my neighbor's VCRs. Uh, hopefully, everybody remembers what a VCR is. But I used to <laughs> I used to program VCRs, and I used to figure out things. And as I got older, I ended up uh, filling out your, know, or, or, uh, fixing people's computers and helping them learn how to use the computer and all, all of that stuff. And so I grew up with that too. And then, uh, when I went to high school, I was part of, uh, one of the, the business departments, tech teams, which, uh, same thing landed me an internship in a state office. I worked for the department of corrections here in Washington, uh, for about eight months. And fascinating at the time, they had this weird policy where they couldn't let—I didn't have enough experience for them to keep me uh, to move on. Even though I was gaining nine months of experience, they didn't count it because it was an internship through a particular like organization. Wow. You know, I got rejected. And,
1: from a, I got rejected from a internship because they, by policy, they had to pay me. And I was like, I work for free. I, <laughs> like, I work for free. I just want the experience. And they're like, no, nope, we can't. And I was like, so you're rejecting my free work. <laughs>
0: so sorry, what's fascinating is the guy after me. Uh, why? So they denied me and then uh, they worked and changed the policy. So the guy after me who followed in my footsteps, got a, got a state job. Mm. And, and so uh, that was, that was super interesting. Uh I ended up taking a well I worked for you know out of high school I worked for a couple of different companies one has nothing to do with IT whatsoever I worked for one of those game companies that has the big inflatable uh you know slides and all that and I used to deliver these things to events and I did that for a while and then I started then I got in the home security industry and worked my way up in there uh, from the bottom all the way up into a management position. And I actually worked in that industry for about 20 years and uh, worked and did was the manager eventually moved into the it department uh, in that, that business after it got purchased by Stanley Black and Decker. And, and in the meantime, before now it's, what's funny is of course, if anybody from the office uh, that company saw this, they would not, they know now I think, but, I was, I decided at one point to that they weren't just going to move, they weren't going to elevate me. And that was before the per, The business got purchased. So I started working uh, after hours and I created my own business and started just basically helping uh, residential clients and uh, <laughs> ended up just helping a couple of businesses and learned a bunch of stuff along the way. And then it, at some point, At some point I was making as much money part-time as I was making full-time and I was sitting with a good coach uh, who looked at all my budget, looked at all the things that was going on and helped me realize that I had to make the choice to, you know, to, to start that business and kick it off and he forced me uh, as good coaches do to pick a go live date. And, and so in September of 2019, I ended up uh, starting my business and I think what what's fascinating is I didn't know what was coming because we had just right after that COVID, we had COVID, and so my residential business. Uh, I remember I don't know what it was like for you, but the literally the week in March when they announced everything, my phones just died. Like just not it was it was eerily quiet. And then about a week and a half, two weeks later, kind of people started to kind of wake up a little bit and realize, well, we may be like this for a while. And so all of a sudden I started getting computer repair uh, questions. A lot of people uh, called and said, hey, do you want or can you fix a computer? So I literally set up a station in my garage and I was doing computer repair for about four or five months until it got so busy and so crazy that I had to open a commercial space because I literally had people showing up at all hours of the day. What a problem to have. Yeah. Right. Right. But it was, you know, my now wife saw people just showing up randomly and she's like, we got to do something about this. Like Mm -hmm. I had people who'd show up at like seven o'clock at night with a computer because they, you know, because people are weird and they don't really real realize like, you, we you have business hours. You should respect those or something. Uh, so we got a commercial space and we ran a repair shop called Only Tech Guys uh, for uh, about two years. And then just last year, we decided to go fully commercial and full cybersecurity focused managed IT. And so we we decided just to, to get out of that, that uh, consumer space. And, and move it uh, and we rebranded for, to, to grow our business. That's why we, we moved from Truett to the only tech guy space. And, and so um, it's been an exciting journey. I think the, there's some things I learned along the way. Uh, like, for example, uh, I talked about this at, at the last cybersecurity conference where I had a little speaking spot. But one of the big things I learned was be who you want to be now. In other words, uh, one of the things that I did when I was really small, when I first started my business, I treated my business like a business. I had a phone system. I had quite literally everything in place that people thought if they didn't know me well. They thought I was doing that full time when I wasn't like quite yeah. literally. I had a phone system. I had everything in place. So people literally thought that I was full doing it full time. I, I just... I ran out of that way.
1: I had a segue for you. I mean, I had a question for you and you just kind of segue to it. So, I know a lot of people always ask me, hey, when you start out, how do you manage your having a full time job and running the business? And how do you give the impression that you're all business? And I'll answer after you.
0: Yeah. Uh, it it comes. So, there's two things. I think one, it comes down to mindset. Like, you have to have a mindset, you, even if you're moonlighting. That it's a real business, and you have, and and part of it is, and this I don't know, the, I don't think this sounds dishonest, but no one ever asked if I was full time, so I never told anyone I wasn't. Let's, I mean, let's just be honest. Like, I I, I agree with you there. I agree. With you know, you no one said, "Are you full time?" They just said, "Can you solve my problem?" And so I I was like, "Yeah, I can solve your problem." So I just, I worked a lot. I worked my 40 hour job and then I came home, worked another 20. I worked a lot, but I always focused on how I can provide service, how I can take care of the client, how I can make sure that they're in good shape. And they never really, they never asked. So uh, I, and I, and I did put things in place. I really did truthfully put the phone system in place because I wanted people to think that I was a really big company. Cause that was my goal was to get out of that, out of that workplace. That's why I started that business.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I had similar things. So one of my things was always respect my initial employer, you know, so
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, do that stuff, make sure that all my boxes are checked. I'm doing that job hundred yeah, percent. And then any extra time I would, I would, um, I would deal with the moonlighting, the side business. Yeah, uh, if my job asked me, then I was honest that I was moonlighting after, but because they weren't a tech company, And as long as the tech stuff was good there, they didn't care what I was doing uh, after hours and things like that. that was good for me. As far as 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 finding clients and them talking to me, uh, if they asked, I was honest about my availability, but because I had the partner, we were able to kind of be flexible. When I wasn't free, maybe he was. When he wasn't, I was. We even hired our first employee when we were still fully employed at our other jobs, you know, so that we had somebody to go so that our clients could feel that we had, you know, their service and their, you know, that they were our priority pretty much. So yeah, yeah that was my other thing. So just like you, I had my full-time job. I'd come home. I put in another four or five hours. Um, you know, sometimes in between the day, if I had breaks, things like that, I'd get some stuff done, but I just made sure that my employer was always a hundred percent taken care of. And then I would use some of the extra time mm-hmm. to, to do what I had to
0: do. Yeah. And I will say that, that type of thing he paid off for me as well. Uh My work was good with that corporation. They liked me. I worked hard for them. So when I quit my job, they were disappointed mm-hmm. and sad. Mm-hmm. My boss was, one of my bosses was even a little pissed because he had a plan that I didn't know about. But in the end, uh they offered me a contract to finish out some projects that I was on. And so I was able to still, Uh, I think I worked for them for another four months or five months as a contractor to help them, you know, finish out uh, the projects that I was working on. And they wouldn't have asked me to do that if I was sucking at my, you know, doing my job and not taking care of them. So that makes sense. Definitely, you know, building relationship. And the other thing too, and I think you you touched on this earlier. You don't know when you're a one-man show or you're starting out, you don't know who's going to ask you to become their uh, their provider later. In other words, you could be working for a business, and later on they ask you to be their, their in our case, IT provider. Happened so to the, me. the last thing you want to do is burn a bridge. You want to take care of them because when they decide that they still want you, they're, they're going to potentially be willing to pay more than what they are paying you as an employee to take care of them still.
1: Agreed. Yeah. All right. So let's shift gears a little bit. Why don't you tell me what's been the biggest hurdle or the biggest thing that you've overcome uh, in your business?
0: Ooh, uh, biggest thing, I think for me, uh, and I still struggle with it, is just mindset.
1: That was mine too.
0: (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I think, I think every business owner struggles with mindset. Uh, There's that thing we probably have heard it all called imposter syndrome, where you think to yourself, you know, you've worked your way up here and still in the back of your mind, you think, do I really deserve to be owning a company? Do I really deserve to be uh, sitting on a, you know, doing a podcast with somebody from across the United States? you know, there's, there's just this thing in my, in my mind. Now I'll tell you my story. I worked for that, that company for 20 years, not because they were amazing, but because I was afraid to leave. And what took me out of that business was a friend of mine was switching. he was switching industries. He was a pastor who became later on a um, rocket engineer for, for I think he's working for like blue origin right now, but um, if it's, if it if Joey sees this, Hey Joey, uh, but he, he switched industries and got out of ministry, had been doing the same thing for 20 years. I was saying, I don't know if I can do what else I can do because I've been doing the same thing and I felt the same way. So really what broke that in me was going to a career counselor and realizing that I wasn't as stuck as I thought,
1: Could you? I was
0: just, I just thought I was.
1: Did you disqualify well? I don't think that's the right question. Did you feel like you weren't qualified because you kind of made your way up and they knew you internally? But if you went somewhere else, you felt like like they wouldn't qualify you like at your previous misses, like maybe you had to prove yourself again. Is that
0: here's what I'll say. The culture of that that business was set up in such a way where people feel stuck. I wasn't the only one who worked there who felt like this was it. Like, this is the end of the line. This is the best you're ever going to do. And I think there's just this. And, and, you know, I don't want to get political, but you see this today quite a bit. You see minimum wage going up, not because people can find something else, but because they feel stuck and they don't feel like they can go anywhere else. I'm like, I feel like I'm the poster child for if you don't like where you are. Work your butt off and you can fix it. If you don't like what you're making, you can fix it. You can figure it out. Either start a business or go find a culture or a person that fits in what you want to be and do. And you can, you can change. So I was just, I just had a mindset that just told me I wasn't going to go anywhere else.
1: That's really. To tie that that a little bit to my story um, where I was at, I loved working there. There was two limitations. Because they were a nonprofit, there was a limitation Mm. on the financial side, the budget side and the salary side. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't work with the technology that I wanted to work because they couldn't afford it. So my skills became stagnant after I got them to a certain position. And then, you know, like, like you just said, there was kind of no room for growth. I was, you know, I was out of it. I was it. So I figured what's the best of both worlds if I run my own company and if they're my client and I can still be involved with them. So that's where we are now. They're still my client, my client for over five years plus. And, you know, so I'm still involved with them. I'm still involved with their mission, which I I like very much. And at the same time I get to explore and work with other companies, which allows my income and salary to, you know, not really have a roof.
0: Yeah. And I'd say, especially too, when you're getting close to the, point of going full-time if if somebody's in that spot where they're doing moonlighting i negotiated my first contract with a go live date of the day i quit my job so i knew i was quitting in september and so i told that business i'll start taking care of you in september and they were like okay (laughs) they knew i had a full-time job they knew everything about what was going on i was honest with them and they were we took them on uh, I took them on, uh, on my own in in that September and got everything rolling. So uh, I don't, I don't think you have to hide if you're part-time. I just think it's a matter of, can you solve the customer's problem and do it well and, and finish what you start? I, okay. I agree with you. I agree with you there. Yeah.
1: Uh, I'll go ahead and answer the question now. So my biggest hurdle or what I've overcame <clears throat> um one is definitely mindset um i think definitely after joining chris's program which is how we met the program that we're both in um my mindset changed like i always thought very little um and to your point i was having this conversation with my wife yesterday i said i feel like one day somebody can just come and take it all away Mm -hmm. i don't know like like i'm not supposed to be here like i'm not supposed to have this business and i'm not supposed to be an author of a book and you know i'm not supposed to be making noise per se, like, you know, and then it's, it becomes a little bit surreal. And sometimes I'm like, man, what if, I feel like I can take it all away. Like someone can just come and take it all away. Yeah. And I know having your own business is more job security than being at an actual company working. But in my head, I'm like, well, if I was at a company working, that's more job security. When in reality it isn't. But again, because uh, we're small business owners, sometimes it feels that way. Like how'd I get here? Like Should I be here? And like you said, imposter syndrome. So definitely mindset has been one of the big things. The second one I would say is you're your own boss and you need accountability on yourself. I think sometimes that's hard. It's like you can walk into work today and you can goof off if you wanted to. And nobody's going to tell you to not goof off, you know, but uh, that's not what we're here to do. And if we want to grow the business, you got to have your own checks and balances and the accountability for yourself. Totally. And I feel like it's a roller coaster sometimes, you know, especially when we come back from a live event, like I'm on a, like a super high. I'm riding the roller coaster. I'm executing. I'm getting things done. I'm getting plans done. This podcast is living proof of that. You know, we're on our first live show. And I think just about a month ago, maybe a little bit over 30 days, let's call it 45 days. You know, we were having a conversation at a table about us wanting to do this show. You know, and now we're here doing it. So just things like that. So I would definitely say mindset and then accountability on myself as a business owner would be the yeah. second thing.
0: Yeah. I think, well, I'm a little ADD. So that's all, that's always a challenge for me. It's just staying on task and, and having a good system in place to get things done. So that's been one of my, that's a per more of a, no, less of a business struggle and more of just a personal, personal struggle. So I'm using a couple of tools to help me with my task list, things like that. But it is a fight. There's days where you just don't want to (laughs) work and you have the option not to, but you have to push in, push through because that's what it takes. That's just what it takes to, to keep the, the business running and keep your businesses, you know, your employees employed and, and yeah, it's just it's. Uh, I think it's never any battle, but I think at some point it just becomes. I think that's the weird part about owning a business after now seven years of being on my own. Uh, it feels normal now. At least the day to day feels normal. Uh, it's still surreal when we do things like yeah, this is our first day doing a podcast. Last week I was on a panel uh, with uh, four other business owners uh, for a cybersecurity conference in Spokane that was a little surreal because I was sitting on a stage in front of, you know, 200 people talking about uh, a topic and, and it was just like, I don't, how did I get up here?
1: Yeah. <laughs> what like, I deserve this privilege. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's, Who am I? Who am I? Yeah,
0: exactly. Exactly. So this, right. has, this has been great. I, I think uh, now let's, let's, I talked a little bit in the entry about, kind of what my vision and what my thought was for the podcast. Did you have anything to add into, into kind of just thoughts of uh, what, you know, uh, we, we got together on this because we know that there's a hole. And I think one of the holes in podcasting when it comes to our industry is that uh, it can get real boring real quick if we just talk about cybersecurity. Yeah, and, not, everybody's and, not a
1: nerd like us. I
0: mean, yeah, not, every, not everyone wants to sit around and talk about hacking and and uh, all the things that are happening. Uh, but I think there's also just been a whole uh, of talking uh, t- about just businesses. Is there anything else that I that I missed uh, at the very beginning? Uh, no, but I'll,
1: I'll kind of reiterate in, in my own words. Um, you know, we're here to talk about small businesses, medium businesses uh, from startup all the way to, you know, a couple of years and mature in. Uh, if anybody has anything that they want us to touch on so that we can bring in a professional as a guest speaker. So if that's accounting, finance, uh, marketing, business development, sales, whatever you guys are struggling in, in your business, let us know. Yeah. Uh, we're going to post an email at the end of this to let you guys know where you can email and give us some of that information, but you can also follow us on business and Byte's podcast on YouTube. Business and Bites podcast on the Facebook page, uh, so you can send us messages there, let us know what you're looking for, and we'll find a guest, we'll procure a guest to come on the show and, you know, let us know and, and to guide us in the proper ways to get there. Um, so, you know, so that's that's the main reason we started this podcast. And then to tie in the business side to the cybersecurity side. So we're not going to nerd you guys out with IT and cybersecurity for 30 or 45 minutes. But at the end of each segment, we'll go ahead and touch on a couple topics, give you guys some tips on how you can better the cybersecurity in your business or at your workplace. And then we'll go from there and hopefully, you know, this evolves into some other things later on down the line.
0: Yeah. That's exciting. I think it's exciting to be able to have some guests just to cover topics. So again, if you know someone who you think would be a good guest as well, uh, send us a message and we'll definitely uh, start with Facebook for now. Um, Like any good business, we're getting a couple of things uh, squared away, but uh, send us a Facebook or or Teams, not Teams, um, LinkedIn message, and and then we'll uh, we'll try to get those that guest uh, as part of the show. I think that's going to be, uh, I think it's going to be exciting. I I've, I'm already I have the list of guests already lined up, so I'm super excited for them. Uh, I I think it's going to just be it's going to be a lot of fun and it's going to be a really really informative for for businesses. So. Um, well, I think we're, we're, uh, we need to start moving over towards, uh, technology of the week.
1: Yeah. Let's go ahead and, uh, technology of the week really quick. So
0: one of the areas where things have changed quite a bit in how we communicate when we're networking is really like, it used to be that I had a binder full of business cards and I still collect business cards. Uh, I still have business cards and I still give them out, but there's some really neat tools out there to uh, help not have to, you know, give out paper and just be able to add people to your phone. So uh, let's talk about, uh, we'll start out with the NFC cards. Uh, I, I, Which one are you using or are, you're using one, right?
1: Yeah. So there's a couple out there. Um, I think one of the bigger one is called dots or dot, and I'm using one called Bumper. Uh, this one, I was at, I was actually at a networking event um, about two months ago, and I walked up to a booth, and the gentleman was talking to me, and I went to give him a business card, and he took out a blank NFC card, and he's like, just tap it on your phone, and I was like, you know what, you're about to make a sale right now because you know, I'm here handing you a paper card, and I'm in IT and cybersecurity, and you're here handing me something that's going to automatically... SIG to my phone and possibly to my CRM system. So that's one less step that I have to do when I get home. And that's yep. one less card that I have to give out. So I went ahead and <clears throat> I went ahead and signed up with him for bumper. I believe the fees are about six or seven dollars a month, or you can pay the year for about sixty dollars. Don't quote me on that, but here I will provide the uh, the link down here on the screen. So B-U-M-P-P-R.com. So you get a web interface where you can edit your page to just to be just how you want it so if somebody were to go to mine they would see that they would see that i have my picture actually it's me with my with my book so the picture that i have right here there you go i don't know how to point (laughs) on reverse mirror here and a little bio of myself and then you get to edit your link so i have a link pointing to somebody if they want to purchase my book i have a link if somebody wants to download uh 15 free ways to secure your business, a PDF that I give out to, you know, prospects so that they can start securing their own business Mm -hmm. if they don't want to hire a company like us, or if they have their own IT department, or if they just want to schedule a free 10, 15 minute intro call to see if there's anything that AM3 can help them with. Right. Um, So I strongly recommend anybody that does networking and that is out there giving out their information to look into one of the NFC cards. It'll give you a card, a QR code, my bracelet, so this rubber bracelet that I have has an NFC chip in it. So if I forget the business cards, no matter where I'm at, all they have to do is tap my phone, and they go straight to my page, and from there they have all of my information.
0: That's that's pretty cool. I'm using I'm using Dot uh, currently. Okay. And and what I like about it, uh, which I didn't know about about the other one, uh, Dot's Dot you pay just for the device, and then there's no monthly on it. So and they generally have a card, which for some reason I can't find. Uh they have a card and then they have a um they have little sticky round things that stickers, you can stick yeah. on. Yeah, little stickers you can stick on phones. Um, I also linked my web my johnhansman.com. So actually, if you go to johnhansman.com, it goes straight to my dot profile. So I've got links, I've got all that stuff in there as well. And I think uh, we're coming to a point where I don't know that I wanna collect a bunch of business cards. Just, I, I I have a stack of them just from the last event I was at. And then it's like just some extra data entry that I have to do. I think they're they're really really interesting, uh, and I, I'm I'm starting to use it. And what I do when we have networking events where there's a group of, around a table, I which is probably why mine's missing. I think it's with my batch of business cards. I usually hand that out, and people tap, yeah, tap that as they go around. Um, and then Apple, which is there's been some controversy on this, so yep. we can touch gonna, on it. We're going to touch on that a little bit. But Apple just did a new product called Name Drop. And name drop really is just a way. If you put two iPhones together, they make a really cool sound, and then it allows you to AirDrop uh, documents or um, your your contacts. uh, Yeah, your your B card. Yeah. Yeah, and and I what's fascinating is there's a lot of controversy because sheriff's departments were saying that criminals can just tap your phone or like steal information from your kids. And that's not accurate uh, I think we, it's good for us to clear that up that you don't have to freak out and shut that off you have to have your phone unlocked and you have to have uh you have to give permission to give out any information yeah the it two is-
1: times the two times I've done it um it says receive only or share I believe right. so you yeah. get to you know tell it what you want to do do you want to just accept John Hasman information or do you want to you know two way share john yeah. has you
0: know yeah. I, right. I think it's important i think apple's realizing uh that there's a need to be able to swap information at these kind of events and and they're going to start developing uh, just an area where you know if you you need dot cards uh, or you don't want to use dot cards and you know everybody has an apple i guess that's the only disadvantage that you know, that's the only disadvantage to the uh, whole thing is that they um, they only work with each other, which is great, except how many times do I as an iPhone user run across, you know, uh, Android users that couldn't do that same tool? So there's still a hole there. And I think that's where Dot and, and these other bumper and all these other technologies come in. Because it does it you, in a networking event, you're not just going to uh, run across just iPhone users. So, but it's cool. I like it. If somebody has an iPhone, I'm going to start using it just just because I think it's I think it's fun and it makes a really fun sound.
1: I agree. Um, it starts a lot of conversations. To be honest, yeah, my last two networking cool. events, we've yeah. had we've had at least 15 minute conversations about both the iPhone um, feature and the yeah. NFC. 'Cause usually I have them tap my have them tap my bracelet and then that starts the conversation about oh that's cool. What is it? And then you know that just and then it's and then I'll segue that somehow into cybersecurity and you know and then have that conversation. And we kill two yeah. birds with one stone.
0: Yeah, one hundred percent. One hundred percent. I can see the daylight coming through my green screen. Isn't that bizarre? <laughs> uh, something I'll have to fix. <laughs> um <laughs> yeah, so I think I think just knowing about those is uh, super super important uh okay so now we're going to roll over to some security stuff that's going on so yeah, yeah. i want to i want to start out before we jump into this i want to talk about something i learned at this conference that was super fascinating so i was at a cybersecurity conference and one of the guests was the, uh, he's now the chief operating, uh, operating officer at Whitman College. So a year ago, this is a Whitman College in Washington State. They had a cybersecurity attack. And if you, and this is my complaint about the cybersecurity incidents that we see on the news right now. We don't really know the whole story. So if you were to watch the media, you would think that Whitman college did a really horrible job with cybersecurity and now everybody's uh, now everybody is um, now that, you know, everybody's compromised uh, because of that. Uh, And, and one of the things that was fascinating was uh, the, they had done everything they could and And they really, it was really just a piece of equipment that was compromised, that was zero day. And that's literally how they got in. And they had action plans. They had, uh, they actually had sat down and gone through their disaster plan. All the employees knew their job. All of that. And yet they still had a cybersecurity attack. So we've said this on multiple occasions when it comes to cybersecurity. It's not a matter of if you're ever gonna be attacked. It can really be a matter of when. And I think when we look at Whitman, I think that was just the most fascinating thing. The guy who was the CISO, the you know, the you know, chief information officer, he was the he got promoted after that event because. He did such a good job of helping them recover. and He had everything in plan. And when the evidence came out, it wasn't anything that he did wrong or that their company did wrong. It's just something that happened. So I think when we watch the news, we have to be really careful about that. Uh, Because the. The news doesn't share everything, and some of that's by design. When you when we do cybersecurity training and we start talking about, you know, it's important to somewhat limit some information that goes out, but we don't get the whole picture. So I wouldn't necessarily jump into somebody has a cybersecurity attack, uh, and so we're going to just, just stop using them. I, I don't think that's a fair... Thing because I think it really depends on how that company responds to the cybersecurity attack. That should be your judgment on how you decide whether you're going to do business to those with those people. Because we're going to talk in a minute about two really big uh automakers that just reported cybersecurity attacks. And I wouldn't necessarily stop driving their cars because of this. I would look at how do they respond.
1: Yeah, big thing a big thing to notice, and sorry if I have some background noise. I'll make sure that doesn't happen, um, but I'll try to be quick. Another thing is I tell clients, look, I can't protect you 100%, and anybody that does tell you that, you should run for the hills. Yeah. What I can promise you is that we're going to have a plan in place so that if something does happen, we can recover as fast as we can, and we can keep your data as protected as we can. Yeah. But for me to tell you that I can 100% protect you from a hack, I- I'd be lying if I said that.
0: Yeah. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. Uh, and so let's, uh, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to share. I'll go ahead and hop on. But we're going to talk about these two real quick. I'm going to go ahead and present those. Um, and okay. Here's our first one. Toyota. I own a toy. Do you have a Toyota? I have a Toyota.
1: I do have a Toyota, actually. See? I still have That's one. True. I'm going to yep. sell it in the coming month. But <laughs> oh, yeah. I still I've got
0: it. an old RAV4 that I love.
1: I got a 2007 uh, Camry that just sits there. I'm probably going to sell it to my niece.
0: Nice, nice. But here's, uh, yeah, so uh, Toyota warns of customer data breach exposing personal f- and financial info. So I want to first mention, when we go through this article, this is not at this time affected any United States customers. Uh, it, it was specifically man they have a lot of ads it was specifically germany uh was one of the places that was affected so here's here's the reason why we're bringing this up even though it's not affecting us clients it's still a really big deal that ty- that toyota had a cybersecurity attack um and again we go back to like these are we're seeing giant corporations getting hit with these and it seems to me they seem to be coming in droves of multiples in certain industries because we also have another one where we also have Nissan, which we have uh, also reporting a similar thing. So, I mean, what are your thoughts on this?
1: Uh, like you said, it's it's not, it's not overseas. It's not here, but it's just to show you. But I like to tell some clients is, look, if Toyota is getting hacked, if the MGM grant is getting hacked, These are companies that spend so much money on their cybersecurity and their IT, and they're getting hacked. So what makes you think that, you know, I'm not trying to downplay or downtalk anybody, but that the two little systems that you have in place are going to keep you protected. So that's why not only should we add more layers of protection, but we should create a plan, an incident response plan. You know what I've been getting good feedback on when I try to explain this is a fire drill. When you're in school, you do a fire drill, right? So in case a fire happens, you know exactly what to do, where to walk out, what door to use, what elevator to use. If you're on fire, you stop, drop, and roll. If you go on a cruise, the first thing they do when you're on a cruise is they do a fire drill so that if something were to happen or there's an emergency, you know exactly what to do when you're on the cruise. If you work at an office building, every once in a while, a couple times a year, they do a fire drill. So why wouldn't you do the same for a cybersecurity incident? You just got breached. What do you do? What does the receptionist do? What does the office manager do? What does the business owner do? What what does everybody do? So I like to do some of that with my clients, and I encourage everybody to have an incident response plan. So when something like this does happen, as you see that it happens to one of the biggest names in the car industry, that you are ready to tackle it and know how to react.
0: Well, then you add, again, we have Nissan, who is also saying... That they're investigating a cyber st- attack and potential data breach and this one's another one that's overseas um where was this one was uh, Australia and New Zealand still overseas uh, so um, that's also fascinating it's just you know the, the these aren't yet in the United States but I think it's only a matter of time but you see big big companies and it seems to be if you looked MGM Grand, basically three or two or three casinos in Las Vegas all at one time got hacked. Now we're seeing two or three automakers getting hacked. Uh, we saw a big credit union recently, uh, on one of the places we find a lot of articles is bleeping computer. Uh, they had a, uh, another conversation about a medical facility that got hacked, uh, in a, that's also overseas. There's just a ton going on right now. And, And I think that what most people fail to recognize is uh, I think the number is still 58%. 58% of businesses that get hacked are small. They're not these giant corporations. These are just the big ones that make the news just because of their sheer size, but not because of their their size. Yeah, Yeah. it's just... And, and it will, time will tell what their incident response plan is and, and what they're doing about it. The information is still all new. These articles are still like, uh, you know, December 6th, so they're only a couple of days old. Uh, and we'll find out more about what happened. But here's what we know. We know that MGM Grand, they lost $8 million roughly a day. And theirs, uh, theirs was actually let in by their in-house IT department because they didn't verify people. So there's some important questions about how, um, how your bigger business is verifying its employees, especially if there's over 50 or 100 people. You can't expect your IT department to know the names or the voices of everybody that calls in. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. We'll find out about how these guys, what actually was the cause, because I don't believe it says it in here at all yet uh as to what the actual cause of these cybersecurity breaches are
1: if mgm Graham is watching call me i have a software that'll help you do user verification
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: like, license it through me
0: <laughs> yeah so let's do this let's uh let's wrap this thing up with um some some tips and i think we're going to start ground level what is the best thing so say you don't have a it or an am3 yet, what are, what is the number one I'm going to give, you give me one thing and I'll add another. Uh, what is the number one thing somebody could do today?
1: I think MFA is, is definitely the top, top one for me. Um, I think it's the easiest one. It's the one people understand because like their banks do it and other industries are doing it. So they're not, you know, they're not alienated to it. Um, but yeah, MFA, which is multi multi-factor authentication. Some people call it 2FA, two-factor authentication it's just basically two ways to confirm your identity so one is usually your password the other it's usually everybody's used to getting a text or having an app like google authenticator um, or i think trillo is another one handing off the top of my head uh microsoft authenticator but just something um something that enables a second factor sometimes it's your fingerprint sometimes it's biometric on your iPhone, it can be your face uh, face ID, right? Face scan. Sorry, I just came from Android. I don't know all the, all the terminology <laughs> yet. But um, you know, your fingerprint, your face scan on top of a password, that's your second factor. So you could do password and face scan. You could do face scan and fingerprint, whatever two factors it is that you want. But having two factor on all your systems is very important. Um, your social media, uh, your financial things like your banking or your QuickBooks, anything. Uh, if you haven't already enabled it, go ahead and enable multi-factor authentication.
0: Yeah, that's great. I think that's number one. I think if you if you do one thing today, if you don't have it on your email, pretty much any of your online accounts, you should have multi-factor, 100%. I think the other place I see quite a bit is just passwords in general. Uh, how many times do you walk into somebody's office, and I just saw it this week, somebody has their password at the bottom of their keyboard and you're like every time, so many times. And here's the thing about it. We do a lot of risk assessments. I'm doing a risk assessment for a client right now. And I found out that their password is being used on, uh, or at least a rendition of their password same passwords being used all over the place. So it's used on all of their bank. I saw it even on their bank account and it's the same password that's being used for Facebook uh, for everything. And, and then on top of that, I found that password in a dark web scan. So really, we need to be looking at making sure that your passwords are unique. Get a password manager and, and make sure that the passwords that you're using are not the same across the board. They have to be 100% unique uh, or you're not doing yourself much good. You're allowing them to get to that two factor step, which I don't think we should even want them to get that far. Um, That's one of the other most common things that I see is just people pick the same password and they have that password written down and it's the same one they use for everything. And we just live in a day and age where we can't do that anymore. We have to have a different unique password for everything and we should not be using, you know, same, you know, password one and then, password six and then all that <laughs> or the, the year of your birth
1: and exclamation i agree with you 100 um, yeah. that would have been my number two um and we've had it i've had clients that are on my full cybersecurity program and that's the
0: mistake they've made yeah i'd also say don't use a word that's common in your industry i've seen this too where you have a uh oh i don't know like a uh a auto parts store that uses muffler one as a, uh, (laughs) as a, as a password. Don't do things like that because that's really easy to try to guess. Eventually someone will get it. Agreed. Okay. Well, I think we're, uh, we're, we're at the point of just wrapping this thing up. I'm excited. Uh, I'm hoping that we, I know that we're going to get even, this is going to get more exciting, and even better. Sometimes when you start something new, it feels like the first season of, uh, uh, Star Trek next generation. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, only nerds understand that one, but, uh, it's going to get, we're going to, I just, I know we've got some really cool guests coming up and, uh, we're going to get those on the schedule and, uh, yeah, b- buckle up, my friends, because uh, we have a lot of cool content coming, a lot of great guests coming, and we're excited to be able to just have some really good business discussions and bring some good topics.
1: Yeah, again, guys, so small business, medium business, any topics that you guys want us to bring a professional to the table to discuss so that you can learn more, so that we can learn more, go ahead and follow us on Business and Invites Podcast on Facebook. Send us a message on what type of guest you'd like on, and we're going to bring that guest on. We're going to talk to them. Again, then we're going to go over uh, cybersecurity news of the week. Then we're going to go over tips, uh, free tips to enhance your cybersecurity or to help you in your technology. And once again, I'm Emilio Mejia from AM3 Technology and Cybersecurity in South Florida.
0: And I'm John Hansman from Truett in Washington State, serving both Washington and Idaho. Yeah, so
1: thank you, everybody, for watching with us. Uh, we're going to go ahead and repost this so it can be replayed. It'll be on some podcast platforms as well soon. And thank you for being with us. And hopefully we'll see you again next Monday.
0: Awesome. Have a great day, guys.
1: All right.